it's the art of listening, really, to, to be able to savor the story of God in a person's life. You're listening to Talks from the Apostolic Joanite Church. people uh, pile in and in the meantime um, uh, just uh, before we get to the, the formal in- introduction um, we're doing this all we're doing this all digitally of course for circumstances of which everybody is abundantly repeatedly and annually aware that of COVID-19 and uh, a pandemic originally when we had mapped out Conclave 2020 which was actually the AJC's 20th anniversary um, you know, I plan to force people to come to me to have this up, up here in, uh, in Cowtown. And the venue that we had originally looked at, my wife is a, a, a baton coach, among many other things, and sits on a million boards for, I, I don't know why, maybe she just needs to get away from me. That's entirely believable. I have to live with me. And one of the one of the places where she coaches kids is at the Good Shepherd Moravian Church. And it also so happened that uh, uh, a good friend of mine of many years now deceased uh, also uh, attended Good Shepherd from time to time, as well as attending us from time to time, that being Matthew Moody. So I had the uh, uh, I had the ability to see Reverend Rick in action on several occasions, including Matthew's wedding, but also his funeral. And it was out of the confluence of that combined with uh, a venue for Conclave that Rick and I had the opportunity to to dialogue and talk shop. And one of the things that I mentioned, of course, is because we're a Gnostic church, because we're, you know, fun with uh, heresy and heterodoxy, that there, you know, Christianity has the benefit of lots of institutions and educational resources that get built up over time when you have 2000 years you have a long time to get your stuff together us however not so much um you know for the first whatever of our existence in ancient iterations past it was focused on survival now we're just focused on having regular jobs and surviving day to day that said when you do work on ministry when you do work on building community um, you have to take your cues from uh, more more established older denominations and traditions within Christianity, um, you know, for basic skills, uh, good practices, that kind of thing. And some years ago in 2017 in Denver, we had a pastoral marathon with Dr. John Spangler from uh, uh, Illith uh, Seminary. Uh, he was a Methodist uh, pastor. And so he did uh, a uh, multi-day pastoral boot camp pastoral care boot camp so we're always and of course um the fellow that set that up was monsignor bray weaver who himself has served as a hospice chaplain so we're always looking to kind of build build our resources enhance our topics not just not just for our clergy but also for our lady on the on the ground at this point uh you know in christian history and in history period the lady are uh smarter, more educated, more well-read, and more engaged, in my opinion, than, than ever before, at least as I experienced, and that's a good thing. Because as I mentioned in the initial talk, talking about engagement with youth, um, you know, community simply isn't clergy to clergy or clergy to anybody. And there's an implicit 
function of ministry essentially inherent in everybody's baptism. And so uh, in talking shop, in talking shop with uh, Reverend Rick, uh, I found out, of course, he's a supervisor uh, doing spiritual direction with the Roman Catholic Diocese of Calgary. And uh, I figured this would be an excellent opportunity um, to learn about something that's getting more traction uh, out among uh, many churches. We know about pastoral care. We know about we know about psychotherapy, of course, we have the sacrament of confession, we have lots of things that contribute to the, the sense of wholeness or sense of reconciliation that a Gnostic or a Christian or non-Christian or non-Gnostic can, can experience through the agency of community. But spiritual direction is something that not everybody explores and not everybody talks about, but it's, it's a powerful tool because precisely because it isn't you know, one of those things, but kind of an intersection, in my opinion, of all of those things. So before I talk any further, um, I'm going to leave it to the expert. And uh, before I get to the expert, uh, I'm going to get to a little bit of an introduction. So uh, Reverend Rick Beck, who you see before you, is a retired Moravian pastor. And he served for 14 years with Good Shepherd Moravian Church in Calgary, Alberta. He earned a Master's of Divinity from Moravian Theological Seminary in 1986. His current ministerial and spiritual focus is on the practice of spiritual direction, which he's explored for the past decade, now serving as an instructor and supervisor with the FCJ Center in Calgary, Alberta. And I've been to the FCJ Center a few times, and it's, it's quite nice. They do Christian meditation and contemplative stuff. So if you're ever in the neighborhood, um, they have drop-in activities. So with that, oh, I was going to ask, uh, Rick, do you need slides or anything? No, I don't. Okay, so I am going to force everybody to look at somebody better looking than me. So with that, uh, <laughs> thank you for joining us and for sharing your expertise and, and your ministry. We're, we're the better for it. So I'm going to uh, turn it over to you. Ah, let's see. I think I'm gonna try to change this so I'm not looking at myself. Um, Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Well, I guess I got to look. I won't look at myself as much as I can. <laughs> Avoid that. Uh, thanks for the introduction. Um, I think uh, expert is a little bit of an overstatement, uh, but um, I'm certainly a part of this, this practice. I've been doing spiritual direction technically since 2009. And um, I, I was actually to see my spiritual director this morning, and she's a, she's a very open-minded octogenarian who I really can't say much to stump her. And uh, I was telling her this morning that I was going to be speaking to the enclave of the Apostolic Johannite Church, and she went, who? So I, I knew that um, I finally got to a point where I, I was showing her something that she hadn't experienced yet. So she's she's got questions about who the Apostolic Johannite Church is. She's probably online right now reading up about you. I was going to say, uh, we have questions about who the Apostolic Johannite Church is from time to time. So, <laughs> <laughs> we've been around for, for two decades, but, you know, there's still that process of, of ever reforming and, and self-examination. So that's good. Um, yeah, the Moravian Church has been around a long time. Uh, it was established in 1457, so it's a pre-Reformation church. And uh, 
has uh, possibly the oldest Protestant church that's still in existence. There were others that predated us. Um, not all are, are really still active. Um, some have kind of faded away and maybe have come back. But so I say that with a, a little bit of a um, space for, for correction, if that's one way of putting it, I guess. Um, yeah, I've been in the Meridian Church uh, serving for 32 years. My wife is also ordained. We went through seminary together. Uh, we were ordained together. We served four churches together uh, in Alberta, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. <clears throat> and um, it was uh, 2009 that I, I finally was certified as a spiritual director. Um, but I think what I want to do is I'm I'm going to share some things from my own experience about spiritual direction. One of the the challenges uh, for spiritual direction is that it's it's relatively well it's relatively old. It's been around for a long long time. But it wasn't until Thomas Merton kind of reintroduced the idea of contemplative prayer that spiritual direction began to get traction once again. And so it's in today's terms it's relatively new as far as the popularity is concerned. Um, I was gonna ask people to kind of give a, a sign if they're familiar with spiritual direction, but right now I don't have anybody on my screen. Uh, so I couldn't see it anyway. But uh, I would imagine some of you have heard about it. Maybe some of you are even uh, seeing a spiritual director at this time. Uh, when I was in seminary, I only heard briefly about uh, spiritual direction. Uh, from a professor of ours, we were in a spiritual formation class, and he gave about a 10-15 minute explanation of what spiritual direction was. And when I heard that, I really was moved in my heart. I felt so drawn to this, this ministry. I told my wife, I think this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And <clears throat> she said, well, maybe it is, but not yet. I think I was kind of throwing uh, a lot of question in her own mind is, how are we going to do this now? We were planning on doing ministry together, and now you're coming up with something else. And there was some wisdom in there, because I wasn't experienced enough. I hadn't matured enough as an individual, as a pastor, to really be able to sit with individuals and journey with them in their life. And so I, I took time simply to, to be a pastor. Um, I'll give you a little early background. I grew up in the Catholic Church. Uh, we were a very active family in church. Um, I was uh, not a very good academic student dealing with dyslexia and attention and deficit at a time when those things weren't diagnosed or recognized or dealt with. Um, you were just considered to be slow or lazy or stupid. Um, in fact, one of my, my grade three teacher told my parents that He's either dumb or lazy, which um, neither was true. Um, she just was not informed. But I grew up with that. And so the, the image that I had of myself is that I couldn't accomplish much that required academics. And I, I loved being in church. I was one of those strange kids. I, I really enjoyed being in that sacred space. I was a contemplative at heart, even as a five-year-old kid. And I, I remember... Uh, a sermon that um, was shared uh, dealing with, and one of, one of the passages uh, had to do with uh, Solomon uh, becoming king and God's 
invitation for him to ask for whatever he wanted. Uh, and he asked for wisdom. And that that gift of wisdom uh, be, came across so strongly for me. And I, I remember myself praying very fervently as a small child, maybe eight years old, saying, I know I'm not smart, but that I want wisdom. I want to I want to live my life with wisdom. Well, I don't know if wisdom was simply an answer of prayer or if wisdom was the discovery of who I am as a, as a human being naturally. Um, but I, I feel as though I have gained a lot of wisdom in life. And now as a spiritual director, I'm able to bring that experience with me to walk with individuals in their own uh, spiritual life. Um, so I was mentioning that I, I heard about spiritual direction in seminary, uh, put that kind of on, on a, a shelf for a while. And it wasn't until 2009 when we came to Calgary that I was in a ministerium meeting. And one of the, the, the pastors that was there brought with him a pamphlet that advertised for the spiritual direction training program at the FCJ Center here in Calgary. And once again, my heart just lit up and it was that old adage of when the student's ready, the teacher appears. And so I grabbed that pamphlet and I signed up for that program and it's a two-year program and completed that and became certified. And now in throughout my ministry, spiritual direction has really had an impact on how I designed worship, uh, the way I, I wrote music or wrote liturgy, um, how I, I spent time with individuals in uh, pastoral settings. And in my retirement now, I, uh, I do help teach the program. I have about 10 individuals that I see, most of which are clergy. Uh, I've got three groups that I meet with right now on a monthly basis. And I do supervise some people who are spiritual directors. So there's a variety of things there that I try to keep to a couple of weeks during the, the month uh, so I can still enjoy a bit of retirement. Um, so what I want to do is kind of share uh, my experience, what I understand spiritual direction to be, recognizing that there's no um, certified instruction or uh, accreditation for spiritual direction at this point. We are still young enough as, as a an expression of ministry. So there's a variety of, of training experiences that people can provide, uh, any number of, of formats. Ours is a two-year experiential format. Um, and so uh, I'll give you what I believe and recognize and admit very uh, freely that some of what I believe and say may not be completely accurate. And so that opens the door for some good conversation. Um, so what is spiritual direction? It's the art of listening, really, to, to be able to savor the story of God in a person's life. Our, our job is not necessarily validating people's lives. We don't have to tell them that they're right or wrong. It's not about correcting anything that could possibly be wrong. It's not our job to, to draw that line and make that judgment. There's a very early directive, maybe the first directive we read in scripture 
of uh, God saying to Adam, uh, don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't judge. Don't draw lines in the sand and say this is in and this is out. Spiritual direction is about simply holding space and being with the individual. So we don't need to validate a person's relationship with God. We don't need to judge it. We simply witness it. There's a, an organization that acts as an unofficial umbrella organization for spiritual direction, and it's called Spiritual Direction International. It's uh, centered in the United States, and there's another organization in Australia uh, very much like it. Um, and both organizations are working towards uh, exploring what an accreditation might look like. They, they offer a sense of, of um, well, it's an umbrella. So a, a bit of direction for how to do spiritual direction, how to, to network in spiritual direction. Um, in fact, the, the organization on Australia is probably a bit ahead of us in far, as far as uh, really becoming organized and, and accredited. Uh, so we both have uh, statements of, of ethical behavior for spiritual directors. And they make this particular statement a definition of what spiritual direction is in a sentence. It says, spiritual companioning, which is another word used for spiritual direction, is a relationship in which a companion allows through deep listening the spiritual story of the other to unfurl. Through this relationship, the person seeking companionship is empowered to explore a deep relationship with God, Allah, Tao, the universe, or however you may refer to this ground of all being, which of course is another way of speaking of this holy mystery that we call God. Um, so that kind of puts it in a nutshell. Uh, and yet even with that clarity, uh, spiritual direction, the term spiritual direction can be a bit misleading, uh, a little confusing because the person who is acting as the spiritual director, the person sitting in the chair across from you, uh, is not really directing you. It's the spirit that is directing. It is God that is directing the life of the individual. We, as the listeners, simply direct the conversation. We seek to, to find a pace that allows the individual to deepen their understanding of themselves and to truly hear what it is that they're sharing. Uh, other terms that are used are simply spiritual friend, spiritual companion, uh, spiritual guide. Um, uh, some people refer to accompaniment. So there's a, a variety of ways of, of speaking about spiritual direction and, and all an attempt to try to find language that really sums it up. Uh, but we've inherited this term of spiritual direction. And so we kind of live with that. Um, so spiritual companions uh, are seeking to foster intimacy in a person's life, intimacy with God, intimacy with themselves, to create this safe place where an individual can be truly vulnerable in the presence of someone else. Because in that space, uh, discoveries are made. It's amazing how many times I'll be working with someone and they'll be talking and say, you know, I just thought of this now. It's, there's, there's this knowing that happens that doesn't require a lot of academics, uh, none actually. 
It's as if we already know everything we need to know from birth. And our life is about journeying through our experiences to discover what it is we already know about God and about ourselves. And there's a phrase that we hear from time to time in the spiritual direction community is that as we know ourselves, we come to know God. And as we come to know God, we come to know ourselves. There's this complete union between ourselves and the divine, which is a profound and meaningful experience. So uh, the spiritual direction isn't meant to be inclusive. It's for anyone who's ready to, to be open enough of, with themselves to, to share. There's intended to be no limitation of who can, can come. Uh, you don't have to necessarily be a, a lifelong uh, person of faith. Um, and yet that certainly will influence your experience as a, a person on this journey of faith. Um, and we're not, it's not about trying to lead someone to become something in particular. It's simply about witnessing people as they journey in and, and explore and, and celebrate, really, celebrate this amazing life that they are living, whether they're aware of it or not. Um, to help them connect with however they understand God, whatever language they use. And sometimes that's really difficult for, for some people. Uh, there are, are folks who come with a very definite, distinct, absolute sense of what truth is. And they, they may find it difficult and they may not even come to spiritual direction. That's one of the challenges. The, the more absolute people feel about their faith, the less they're looking for questions and more relying upon the answers they feel they've already had. And so their understanding of God becomes concrete and there's no need to, to do any spiritual exploration because they've found it. But for so many, uh, there's, there's a fluidity about a relationship with God. As we grow, our capacity to understand God more fully grows as well. And the images that we have for God tend to uh, fall by the, well, fall by the wayside is a little strong maybe, but uh, they don't seem to work anymore. What, what you understood God to be as a child uh, is probably not the same God that you're experiencing now. And so we go through these times when we experience what we might feel is a crisis, a faith crisis. And they come to someone uh, in, in a sense of a panic sometimes because they, they think they lost their faith. And what they don't realize is that they have grown past the image that they've held for so long that no longer works for them. And they need to go through this kind of desert experience of anxiety and a feeling of loss until they can discover an image of God that has much more meaning for them at this stage in their life. And that will again be another temporary experience and image of God, which will eventually fall away. And they will need to go through another period of exploration to deepen again their understanding of who God is in their life. And I always learn the danger of, of running off into tangents and I've got notes in front of me, but, but at this point, I really don't know where I am in my notes. So I'm just going to keep talking because eventually I'm going to find myself. 
It's probably like some of the sermons you've preached along the way. Um, uh, so let me find let me find another good starting point in my notes here. Um, so yeah, the, this closeness that we find with God is accomplished simply by listening. We want to listen to individuals so that they can hear themselves, basically. They just talk. I have, I have a woman that comes in. She, I've been seeing her since 2009. She was one of the first people that uh, I helped train, and she asked to be my, for me to be her spiritual director. And she is talking before we enter our room, and she never stops talking throughout the whole time unless I interrupt her which sometimes I have to do because I can't always follow everything she has to say. But through, through listening, she ends up beginning to hear herself because there are times when I have to stop her and say, okay, now you've said this and you've said this and you've said this and you've said this. Which one of those do you want to focus on? Or how are these all related together? And I have to invite her to stop and just be quiet for a minute and hold the things she said. Because by listening, she's able to listen. And I think that's true for everyone. When someone listens to us truly, we begin to speak not to them, but to the very depths of our own souls. And we get lost in the sharing until we discover ourselves in a, in a unique way. And so we, we listen so the directee can hear themselves talk, hear themselves think, and discover themselves in their own life experience. So we slow them down. Sometimes it's just so necessary to slow down the conversation. And spiritual directors really need to develop a sense of, of uh, intuition to have uh, uh, the ability to listen to themselves as they are listening to the spiritual directee, uh, to, to have a, a feeling of when something is said that is very significant, very important, to stop them and hold that phrase, that word, that concept before them and invite them to take time to really explore that a little more deeply. Um, so it's, it's slowing them down. It's inviting them to consider a little more. It's inviting them into silence. Sometimes spiritual direction is just a period of silence. In fact, there was one uh, instructor, there's a, a woman who wrote a book actually about spiritual direction and she was doing a lecture and I, I'm, I just thought of her now and I can't remember her name, but she was talking about being with one of her, her directees and it was a beautiful day. So they went outside and they were sitting in a couple of chairs side by side, not really looking at each other. And uh, the, the director actually fell asleep, which is a danger. <laughs> Who knows why? Maybe she had a tough night the day before, but she fell asleep and woke up right at the end of this person's sharing. And the person never noticed it because they were so lost in their own sharing. And the individual then said to her, you know, this was the best spiritual direction session I ever had. <laughs> she, she, she loved to tell that story because 
it's not so much about what the director is doing. It's about what the directee is sharing and exploring. And so there's the need for the director to, to stay out of the way, to, to be silent and stay out of the way, only speak when it's really necessary. And it's also important for the director to help the directee to stop and be quiet from time to time. So you, you may, if, if you're looking at spiritual direction and wondering, okay, how is that different from other kinds of, of professional caregiving? Now, how's that different from counseling, which is uh, very well known in our culture? How's that different from, from coaching, which is another uh, way of working one-on-one -on -one with individuals? Um, and, and here, this is language that I've kind of come up with for myself. Uh, the idea of an operative assumption. Each one of these forms of service to others has an operative assumption. And in counseling, I view the operative assumption as there's, there's something that is causing an individual to be separated from society. There's something clinical that's taking place, a brokenness that needs to be identified that uh, the person can identify and the, uh, the therapist can then create some kind of a therapeutic response that the individual can take with them and practice so that they might be able to better enter back into society. <coughs> Excuse me. And so they, they listen with non-judgmental listening techniques. They ask questions that are meant to help the individual reflect a little more deeply. Um, they offer opportunity for, for, uh, for silence. Um, and hopefully the person then can discover more about themselves. And it's a very effective tool. So many people admit, probably many of you, have had the opportunity to benefit from counseling. Um, in terms of coaching, I view the, the operative assumption is that there is something missing that gives direction to a person's life, some kind of goal that's, that's not quite there. And so the, the coach listens with this non-judgmental listening style uh, they ask reflective questions, they reflect back things that they've heard, they explore uh, in coaching very uniquely is what's motivating you, what motivates you to do things to, to get off this point of inertia that you're on and go forward. And the goal then is to establish uh, some kind of a goal and then to hold that individual accountable to that in their life and they report back to see how things are going. In spiritual direction, the operative assumption is that there is a relationship between the individual and God, whether they're aware of that or not. And so the spiritual director uses that non-judgmental listening, making comments that are reflective of what the person is talking about, asking questions that might invite them into deeper uh, reflection of their own life with the hopes that they might deepen one for one thing their prayer life but also more importantly their relationship with God I have a clear sense of what that relationship with God is all about so in doing that we, we create this safe place where they can be completely vulnerable share things that they've never said to anyone else and that's another statement that happens every once in a while you know I've never said this to anyone before but and then they pour it out to offer this opportunity 
to really be intimate with God. <clears throat> so we're not there to fix them. We're not there to counsel them. We're not there to rescue them from themselves. We're not there to teach them anything. We're simply there to follow them, to follow their story, to, to witness what's happening in their life in relationship to God's presence. And there's a wisdom in exploring a relationship with God in the presence of a trusted other. There's, there's something about uh, a, a, this other way of knowing, knowing ourselves, knowing our God, that doesn't require a Bible study. It doesn't require uh, theological conversation. It's a different kind of knowing God. And all the others are just fine. They're wonderful um, and very helpful, uh, even as far as spiritual direction is concerned. Uh, oftentimes, scripture is brought in to the, the session, or the, the director might ask, you know, is there a passage of scripture that seems to be speaking to you right now? Or is there a character of the Bible that you really relate to as you tell me this story? Those kinds of things to help them reconnect with their own uh, relationship with, with the scripture. But it's a different kind of, of knowing. Uh, we live in a world that really almost demands empirical evidence. We love science. Um, we are, we're into computers, which are ones and zeros, yes and no, black and white. And, and yet spiritual direction is not about that. It's, it's very open, it's very inclusive, it's very fluid, waiting to experience more and more of God as we mature in our life. Um, so we're, we're trained to debate and we're trained to argue and to, trained to achieve things rather than to just surrender and to discover. Uh, we like answers um, and instead of looking at the questions. There's, there's a phrase that I heard, and I think it is Deschardins who made the statement of live, live with the questions until you discover that you're living the answers. Because if, we're, if we seek answers, especially if it's a quick answer, we stop pondering the question as if now I've got it figured out. I don't have to think about this anymore. I've got it, I go forward. And yet God is much more than we can comprehend in our little minds. So holding the questions, continuing to savor the question is so profound, so important. And so we do that. We take time as spiritual directors to help people savor the question. Um, oh, yes, there we go. I had to find myself again. This, this idea of the answers are really something that's within us. That we are, we are born with a knowledge that goes beyond life experience and, and intellect. There is something that we know um, upon our birth. There's a, a sense of union I think infants have upon their birth, other than the experience of being born, which is traumatic in itself. We really don't have any experience of conflict yet that, that I'm aware of. Maybe I'm wrong, but my, my personal experience says that's true. And it's not until we're, we grow a little bit and we start building block towers and somebody comes along and knocks our tower down and we get all upset that we discover that the world isn't completely one. And so we, we have to develop this sense of, of ego in a sense. 
this. How do we function in the world? How do we function in society? What do we need to do in order to be successful in our own mind, our own definition of success? We have a soul that's given to us. And that's in union with God. Soul seeks union. Ego seeks answers. Ego wants to know what's right and what's wrong. It wants to know who's winning and who's losing, the black and the white. And it's important because it helps us develop values. It helps us develop a worldview. Um, but if left to control life, it creates division because it always wants to, to make a distinction. It wants to draw lines in the sand to say either or. And so we're in this, this balance, in a sense, or seeking a balance between living with ego and living with soul. They need to inform each other as we make decisions and move forward. So spiritual direction is about helping people identify what it is that their ego holds so they can learn to hold it more loosely in order to experience the changes that come with growing further into God. It's about freedoms, inner freedom. So we're not locked into the, the expectations of the church, not locked into the expectations of society, our family, our, even ourselves, that we have this inner freedom to be more than we understand ourselves to be at this given moment. So we listen because listening encourages listening. We invite contemplation. We encourage an expansive understanding of what it is to pray. I was with a gentleman one time, and uh, he was uh, agnostic. He, uh, he came to me because his father was dying, and he was, his father was not dying well. He was really struggling with this whole experience, which caused this man, who he himself was in his 70s, uh, to really question his own mortality. And we were talking, we met a couple of times, and he got talking about prayer. And he said, how do you know what to say? And I said, well, sometimes prayer or words in prayer just get in the way. And that really threw him for a loop because his understanding of prayer was people talking. And it's so much more than that. So in spiritual direction, we really seek to explore the depths of prayer, to expand our understanding and our experience of what prayer is. To quiet the distractions of our minds. Our minds are so busy. Uh, we're, we're constantly thinking about things. But to be able to take time to stop. Uh, just the, last week, uh, I had a, a fellow come in who is uh, a real type A type of character, um, a go-getter, volunteers for almost everything. And he called me as I was waiting for him. And he said, I'm going to be 10 minutes late. And he, he raced in the door and he said, I was really trying to, to make this, this drive a time of quiet and silence because I had such a busy day. But that didn't work out because of traffic and everything. Our lives are so busy. So he came in and sat down and I said, okay, now don't say anything. Just sit for a while and breathe because our society doesn't let us do that. Everything comes in snippets. Even me right now, I'm just rattling on and on and on. I'm not even stopping to, to, to listen, but I'm gonna give you a chance to do that real soon because I know our time gets away on us and I, I want to give you enough time to ask questions, make comments. 
But that need for quiet and spiritual direction tries to offer that, to slow us down enough to really be able to hear what can't be heard with all the noise around the world. It really makes me wonder, uh, you know, there, there was a commercial, I'll tell you this first, uh, a commercial I, I saw, and this is one that's around in, in uh, Alberta right now, I don't know where it is in other parts of the world, but it was about an anti, um, um, an antacid, I think it was Pepsi, one of those anyway. And it was about this guy, he just does everything fast. He talks fast, he runs fast, he works fast, he eats fast, and then he gets indigestion. So he needs something to take so it, it works fast so he can be continue being fast. And that's what our society really encourages us to do. That's, that's held up as this is a good thing. You gotta be fast at everything. And I'm looking at society and wonder, what is the indigestion, the spiritual indigestion of our culture? What, what do we need or what would we benefit by slowing down a bit? And I think COVID-19 is something that has slowed everything down, forced us to slow down because we've been moving too quickly to really take time to learn about what life has to offer. And we may still not be learning the lesson that COVID has to offer. And that could be a whole nother conversation about what that lesson is. But we're here in this world, give an opportunity to slow down. Spiritual direction really is a countercultural experience. It's a different way of knowing. It's about living life at the speed of a toddler. Take a toddler for a walk and see how far you get before that kid is down on the ground examining the dirt and noticing the bugs. Spiritual direction is about living life at the speed of a toddler with God holding our hand and enjoying watching us celebrate life. Let me just say, if you're interested in spiritual direction, wherever you happen to be in the world, there is a website you can look into uh, put out by Spiritual Direction International. It's called sdiworld.org. And on there, there is explanations of spiritual direction. There are programs that you can sign up for. Uh, if you're interested in becoming a spiritual director, you can find one in, in your part of the world. If you're looking for a spiritual director, there is a seek and find guide listed there. You just plug in the city where you live and it gives you a list of names of all the people who are registered with Spiritual Direction International and their contact information. So you can call them and see if uh, they would be available as a spiritual director. Um, but I'm gonna stop talking now and give you a chance to respond to anything I said with questions, comments, disagreements, or uh, whatever. Uh, see where the conversation goes from here. Thank you so much for listening to what I have to say. Thank you. Um, I have a I have a practical uh, question off the top. Now, one of the things that was drilled in in into me when when looking at the when looking at the subject of pastoral care, how they separated that out from from counseling, at least as Dr. Spangler put it, um, 
you know, we talked about, uh, you know, the objective of counseling is to, you know, understand and then change behavior in pastoral care. You're not changing, you're not changing your behavior and pastoral care can be as simple as, you know, have you had enough sleep? Have you had, you know, uh, do you need a glass of water? Is there somebody I can call, you know, things like that. And so he talks about the, the concept of, of a pastoral contact you know, a pastoral contact being somebody that you interact with on, in a pastoral uh, uh, care fashion, as opposed to say a, a client or a directee. So he talks about pastoral contact. And one of the, one of the things, and, you know, this has been throughout my exploration of pastoral care and spiritual direction is that, especially because we're in a Gnostic church that kind of prizes spiritual experience and offering from one's one's own experience, you know, rather than simply, you know, from catechism or, or creed that, you know, understanding, reconciling, and make, making use of our own experience um, is, uh, uh, you know, uh, a key tool in the, in the, in the toolkit of, of ministry. And so what, what Spangler had mentioned in terms of pastoral contact is that it's always a, it's always a one-way thing, right? Like it's always, like there, 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 there isn't an exchange. Kind of much in the same way that you would have in a uh, a, a therapy relationship. You're not the, the person doing the direction or the care or the, or the counseling isn't putting themselves um, out there. I occasionally, and this this is something, at least something that you know I've noticed in in my history of attending to folks who have um, difficult issues, particularly when it comes to things like death, for example is that people get bottled up. And so, so sometimes, uh, you know, what I found, particularly when I did, uh, you know, my, my, my first funeral, to be honest, um, is that people sometimes need permission to cry. Mm. They sometimes need permission to, they, they, they need a signal from somebody that they see in a position of authority or eldership, however, you know, a signal that says, you know, it's okay. So it's been, a, it's been a habit of mine. And I know this goes against the, the principles, at least of pastoral care, it's been a habit of mine because, you know, I wasn't always a priest, uh, you know, the, the uh, um, you know, as they say, you know, every saint was a sinner and I'm, I'm, I'm no saint, um, you know, so it's been, it's been a habit of mine to, you know, instinctively, not from the get-go, but if I find that there's a, there's a speed bump or a, or a knot to put myself out there and said, look, you know, I've had, um, like, for example, something I have no problem talking about my history is a long time ago in a galaxy far away. Uh, I used to play in a band and I used to engage the benefits of better living through chemistry, drug use, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, one thing, you know, one thing, you know, I've noticed is that sometimes, you know, when you encounter, a, uh, you know, a, a speed bump, I put a little bit of myself on the table to, you know, much in the same way that you might you know, put out a hat in a church service and throw your own five bucks in there as a kind of inducement to get people to, you know, drop a drop a ten in the hat. You know, my 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 habit, like I said, which which goes if if you guys are doing pastoral care papers at a later date, you know, don't put this in don't put this in your paper, right? My my habit is sometimes, and I know this is a bad habit. It's also a familiar and a friendly habit is to put myself out there, you know, to to untie that knot to encourage the person to untie that knot how how encouraged or forbidden or outside of the realm of spiritual direction is that i guess in other words how bad am i <laughs> i guess is what i wonder <laughs> well 
I think it was the Dalai Lama that said, learn the rules well, so you know how to break them well. And uh, the, that would be a no-no in spiritual direction. Um, so if you were to choose to break that rule, it needs to be something uh, very, it needs to be pretty extreme uh, because in spiritual direction, the director does not want to be the focus. It's never about me. Uh, a good spiritual director will never say, yeah, I, I know I've done the same thing because it's not about me. Um, we don't tell our own stories. We invite people to stay in their own story um, because it becomes distracting or we could inadvertently push the direction of where that person might go. Uh, we want to be followers. We truly are followers in this ministry. So that's that's a caution. Um, there's there's a lot of little triggers. That's one of the things we do in the training program. We spend a lot of time because right it's the finishing up the second year of the program right now. So it's the practicum year, and uh, all of our students are are bringing verbatims to us that we go over to see what it was they were doing and what tripped them up. And there's one woman that is in the program who has this deep love for God and a true knowledge of God's love for her. She is the most amazing woman, but she's constantly pushing the, the boundaries because she wants people to know the love of God the way she knows the love of God. And so when people are angry with God, Oh, she she comes to God's defense. Well, that's that's out of the, the realm of what we do. We want to sit with them in their anger and ask them, where is that anger coming from? What's beneath that anger? What else have you experienced anger like this? To help them find space to explore themselves a little more deeply. And it's amazing what they find. So, yeah, we try to keep ourselves out as much as possible. You know, once in a while, we might choose to do a little counseling, but we have to be very conscious of what we're doing and then get out of the way and get back to, to uh, spiritual direction. Or we might teach a little bit about scripture. They might bring up a passage of scripture and they don't know why, you know, why did God allow Solomon to kill all those babies? Well, we might teach a little something about the culture at the time, but you don't want to get in there. You know, you want to stay with you know, what? What is that touching in you? What's what's being violated in you when you see that? And what do you think about that understanding of God? You need to think of a different understanding of God. Um, yeah, we don't want to get caught up in ourselves too much. It's a rambling answer to your question. No, no, that's a that's a good answer, which actually leads me to an, to another question. I hope nobody <laughs> minds. Um, uh, there are a bunch of folks that that uh, um, maybe maybe not in in this call, but I know in the church in general that are big on on contemplative um, you know practice. So it, it got me wondering from a standpoint of say for example a spiritual direction session. How uh, you know are there times where directors um, engage in I guess contemplative practice alongside? their directee as an outlet. I guess to, to better frame it, for example, take something like uh, uh, Lectio Divina, for mm -hmm. 
for example, would would that be would that be something that uh, you know uh, a director might engage in with a directee as a part of kind of giving them a way to to express themselves? Like, is is, is you know is there I guess is is there is there practice involved or or is direct does direction kind of have the a kind of after action quality to uh, uh, like an after action report to you know uh, it's it's what you talk about and what you explore after a contemplative or a spiritual experience if that does that make sense yeah it does you you can do both really um, there have been times when I've done lectio divina with an individual especially if there is a passage that really related to them and we dig that out and and read it and use the Lectio Divina uh, format to explore it. And then it, Lectio Divina ends with silence and reflection. And whenever we're in a time of silence, and I, I encourage that almost in every session that I'm in, often I will break the silence simply by saying, what's happening in the silence? And allow them to talk. That's their invitation to, to speak. They may not be done thinking, but we do have a limit of time, so I, I you know, usually interrupt a little bit. Uh, but yeah, Lectio Divina, uh, Ignatian Contemplation is another one, or it's also called Imaginative Prayer, where you take a passage of scripture, a story generally, and you read it right from the text. And then uh, the, the director retells the story, inviting the individual to put themselves in the story and to, to see the sights, smell the smells, hear the sounds, feel the, the temperature of the, of the area, whatever, you know, where you happen to be, you know, what's, what's the road like, what's the, whatever, to get them into the experience, hear the conversations that the people are having and take part in the conversation. What are you saying in that conversation? And it usually includes being confronted by, by God or Christ in some way and having a conversation with them. And then after a time of silence, give them an opportunity to talk about their experience in that imaginative prayer. So yeah, we use techniques like that to uh, inspire, if you will, inform the, the session. Mm -hmm. Nice, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I, uh, uh, yeah, I've long thought about, uh, I mean, I have uh, kind of, uh, huh, I have, uh, I have what I call a monthly non-business call with one of the other uh, clergy who's contemplative. And it's, that's my, I guess that's the closest analog I have to it. That, you know, basically it's an opportunity to, uh, it's like the, the room in the Vatican where the Pope goes to swear. <laughs> you know, to, you know to, to kind of get that all out to explore kind of, and then to look at the contents and decide what they, what they want back and, what they want to get to give away kind of thing. So I find that uh, uh, a fascinating uh, process. There was, um, I also was going to ask you, see, I, you know, sometimes I, I come to talks and everybody else has the questions. Apparently I've got questions today. Um, there's a, there's a book that we have on our reading list for uh, seminary that um, I discovered uh uh, years and years ago, I don't know, probably 15 years ago or something, uh, during some quiet time, I had gone for a retreat at Kingsfold, just out of town here, uh, which is a lovely space. And I, I couldn't resist picking through the stacks and I stumbled on it. And 
because the, 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 the title grabbed me. And uh, sure enough, I ended up spending most of the day in the library with that book. I think I got through about half, halfway through the book. Um, and that's what really got my interest in it. It's called uh, Holy Listening by Margaret Gunther. Uh, she was an Episcopal priest and, and, uh, and so that's kind of been, you know, and, you know, maybe it's the fact that it's the first book that I stumbled on, but it's the one that I go back to, um, you know, whenever, you know, whenever, uh, grappling with the subject of spiritual direction. So I guess if I were to turn that into a, a question, if you had to, you know, if you had to, you know, nail it down to, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, a single work. Um, you know what book what 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 book or resource would you put on the table outside of practice i guess outside of practice mm -hmm. um just trying to, it was about two years ago i ran across a book i'm trying to think of the name of it now um i think it's like beginning with spiritual direction by john mar m-a-r-y not, 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 that's Mary, M-U-R-Y, um, something like that. Um, it's a real thin book. It's uh, 150 pages, but it's an excellent book for people who are interested in learning about spiritual direction. What is it? What can I expect from a spiritual director? What would a session look like? How do I prepare myself for spiritual direction? Um, stuff like that. Um, and I don't have that book handy right now. I, otherwise, I'd grab it quick. And I can I can look it up and fire it off to you, and you can pass it on to your people if they're interested. Absolutely. Um, now, uh, see, I'm, this is this is this will be the talk where I go on and on. Um, you know, I'm a you know I you know perhaps it's it's in my blood or maybe currently just in my reading material. I mean, I've. Uh, you know, spent some time both from from formation seminary, and you know, since that time, kind of digging into, and I, I guess I'm asking, you know, are these analogous concepts? I guess in ancient Christianity to modern spiritual direction, something like the, you know, the the Celtic uh, Anamkara, or like the like a like a Russian Starets, or like the you know the Mount Athos elders, people who aren't necessarily clergy but our fellow spiritual travelers that people form that connection with would those be i guess kind of historical christian analogs or uh yeah it has changed so much we've we went from uh, the early experience of the desert fathers and mothers who uh, were displeased with what the church was doing and moved outside of society to to kind of be lost with god for a while um, and that was kind of the beginning of, of spiritual direction experiences. And then eventually it became something that was um, related to clergy. And all the clergy were considered spiritual directors by means of their ordination, uh, whether they really had any understanding of it from an Ignatian or a Franciscan perspective. Um, and uh, either were effective or in some cases very ineffective. Uh, but it's only recently that it became much more a lay driven experience and uh, and now very involved with uh, Protestant traditions as well. Uh, we have more people that are Protestant in the training program right now than we do of uh, Catholics. And 
actually we have an incredibly diverse uh, ethnic uh, representation in the group too. Of of the nine people there, two are Chinese, one's Puerto Rican, and one's Mexican. Um, so it's it's a really interesting mix. Uh, right now, it's all women. Um, unfortunately, there's not a lot of men that that find themselves in the program. Um, well, isn't that the saying? Men never ask for direction. So something <laughs> <laughs> like that's yeah, right. I mean, uh, does that kind of you know play play the type there? I guess that could be. That could be. Yeah, I it hadn't occurred to me until now. I was going to say, uh, uh, Subdeacon Cherry from her parish in Boston posted in the chat, uh, "Starting Spiritual Direction" by John Mabry. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah. Interesting aside, he uh, John Mabry, as I recall, I've never interacted with him, but I know people who have. Um, you know, is uh, independent sacral sacramental movement uh, indie priest like much of us. So mm -hmm. that's how I'm familiar with him because he ran a, uh, and maybe he still does. Um, he used to run a publishing house by the name of Apocryphal Apocryphal Press, which published books on the old Catholic and independent Catholic movements. Oh. So uh, I recognized the name as, as soon as she uh, posted it. I don't know how I didn't make the connection earlier. Mm -hmm. That's pretty. That's pretty interesting. Full circle. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so I'll I'll shut up if any other folks have <laughs> comments or questions. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess uh, just to comment on some stuff you said about. Um, about prayer and how it's not quite as linear as what uh, it may seem sometimes. I know in my childhood, um, I was raised in a, in a Baptist church. And so uh, I remember around the time I was nine or 10 and I, I felt very lazy with prayer. I used to uh, just say, God, you know everything, you know what I'm gonna pray anyway. So just like mark it down, you know, like <laughs> whatever I was gonna say, you know it, so just do it. And I, I don't do that anymore, uh, but sometimes I do um, just sort of not in prayer. It's like I don't I don't have the words for what's going on. Um, I lost a close friend about a month ago, and I remember just having this moment of prayer where I was just I was sad. And I just remember kind of closing my eyes and I just I just I didn't think anything. I didn't think of any specific words, but I was just feeling these raw emotions. And I was just trying to, to share that with the, you know, with divine. And I, I felt a lot of comfort afterwards and just kind of exposing that self of me, that, that part of me, and just kind of um, letting that be known. And so I definitely agree that like, sometimes words can't really convey what you're feeling, but if you know you believe in a divine that's much more knowledgeable than us, then it it understands exactly what you're going through, and you don't have to you don't have to try and put it into words because it can get it, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so true. Then, and I think too of uh, the passage of you know, pray without ceasing. And how do you do that if you're going to define prayer by words? Uh, it it really needs to be kind of a spiritual posture of awareness. Uh, so so to, to be aware of the holy, however that may present itself to you, is to be in prayer. Uh, and so you can walk your dog and drive your car and dig in the ground and, and uh, you know, argue with a friend, conscious of the holy, it's an expression in prayer. So it, it becomes much bigger. 
we had uh, and, and related to that image of God. You know, what is prayer? What is the image of God? We had uh, a person when we first started this particular cycle of, of trainees, a person that uh, uh, obviously had a very rigid uh, expression of what God could be uh, expressed by, what the image of God could be. And I was leading a conversation on the image of God and how that can change and inviting people to talk about how their image of God has changed. And this was early in, in the, the programs, maybe the third or fourth week that we had met. And she was on her feet and in my face because the only image of God is Jesus Christ himself. And that's it. And I thought, oh, okay, that's a really good start and a great place to be. But she didn't continue with the program because it became very obvious that she was not going to be able to sit with anybody who had a different image. Um, so that that need to really start to expand. We have to grow first uh, before we can help anybody else grow. And that's that's another thing about spiritual direction. If you're if you're a spiritual director, you need to have a spiritual director because you can't help anybody in their own journey if you're not working on your journey. So you need a spiritual director and you need a supervisor to help you be a better spiritual director. Just a thought. We have priests, therapists, have therapists, doctors have doctors. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Father Tony. Hi, thanks. Yeah, um, I uh, really appreciate your presentation. We talked about uh, spiritual direction pretty heavily um, in the kind of off off campus conversations at Conclave two years ago, there was a bunch of us who were really um, quite excited about it, and uh, nothing ever came of it. So I was very excited to see this talk on the schedule, and um, I'm I'm really um, I think I'm really committed to to getting to doing this to spirit for because I think spiritual direction is such a wonderful tool for. Mm -hmm. um, for us as Gnostic clergy, you know, when, when we're all about uh, our relationship to the divine, that's all, you know, that's what we're going for here. So when, when I learned about it, I thought it was a fantastic resource. We should really get in on that as a community. Um, so all that being said, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to be looking into the website and to the, uh, into the courses as well, but can you kind of describe a typical, uh, group spiritual direction session. I know you touched on it a little bit, but a, a lot of the examples you gave were kind of one-on-one. -on -one. I'm interested in the group setting because that's, well, for other reasons, but I know that it is done in a group setting. And yeah. Do you have a lot of experience with that? Yeah. Um, I started my first group in 2009 and that group is still functioning. Uh, I started my second group in 2013 and um, I think that that group, it's to this day, it's still functioning, but I think it's coming to a close pretty quickly. Um, I have two groups of clergy that I have been meeting with, actually one now, the, the, uh, the second group um, came into being because of COVID and the clergy really need a lot of support in that particular time. And so I, I was meeting with these clergy via Zoom. They're they're all in Wisconsin, Minnesota, and I'm in Calgary. So that you know, it's a 
a whole different time zone, uh, but we would meet on a monthly basis. Um, uh, spiritual direction groups, I really think it's so important to have a trained spiritual director facilitated because it can turn into something completely, not bad, but it can turn into spiritual conversation, which my first group has actually turned into after you know 12 years of, of being together. They become so comfortable that they've kind of foregone the format. And uh, I, I've decided that it's to, to insist on keeping the format has to do more with my ego than with what they get out of the, the sharing. So it's more of a conversational thing. Uh, it can also turn into uh, group therapy for uh, one or all of the individuals, which is why my second group is, is actually folding uh, because one of the people really needs counseling and he's getting some counseling, but he's using the group as a therapy group and a support group, and that's just not working. So uh, what does a, a group look like? Um, I have a, um, a, a format that I learned is called the 444 format. And um, I can't remember, Diane, Diane Hill, was that her name? Uh, you can find her name in the uh, sdiworld.org uh, website. She comes up periodically. She has workshops she offers. And she offered one on spiritual direction groups. And the format is basically uh, to help people maintain the listening mentality. And so every individual gets four minutes to present what they've experienced, how they've experienced God that particular, since the last meeting, whether it's weekly or monthly, they get four minutes, which doesn't sound like a lot, but for lay people, that can seem like an eternity. And so oftentimes they don't even use the four minutes, but they'll share things and, and oftentimes quite deeply. Then after a period of silence, the group as a total gets four minutes to share what they noticed, what they appreciated, and what they wondered. And the wondering is not looking for more information. The wondering is these little intuitive things that goes, gee, I wonder what was happening there. Or I wonder what would happen if this were the situation. You know, those, those ponderings. The group gets four minutes to do that. And then the person who shared gets another four minutes to respond to what they said. And there's a little pause between each one. And at the end, you acknowledge the story, you honor the story just by saying we honor the story. And you take a breath to clear your heart and you invite another person to share. So each person gets about 15 minutes. So if you've got a group of four, you've got an hour already. If you've got a group of eight, it's a two hour session. Um, at, at sometimes in the group settings, you might have two people, they sign up, I'm gonna share this week, and two people do the sharing, and you give an elongated period of time for sharing for each of those. So you can change that format a little bit, but they really need the structure to help them stay in a listening mode because it's so easy to they start talking back and forth to each other. And that, that destroys the level of safety uh, for a person to be, to be uh, really vulnerable. 
that helpful? Yes, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Any other questions? We are coming up. We are rubbing up against the uh, time to give everybody uh, time to, uh, uh, you know, combobulate themselves for the next session, which is on uh, uh, integral Gnosticism and uh, Ken Wilber, all that fun stuff. Um, I did want I did want to say that uh, thank you. This yeah, this was a this was a fantastic uh, session. It's it's something that you know we now have you know we now have in our formation program we have a section on spiritual direction which includes uh, some of the resources you know I've mentioned. But there's nothing quite like actually talking to somebody who actually does it as kind of a you know an anchor point uh, to to explore more. And particularly when it's uh, you know one of the one of the things that we like to to focus in, in in some of our earlier pastoral care courses, of course, is is making sure that our clergy understand you know the difference between counseling, between pastoral care, between spiritual direction. Kind of what's the the limits of each? What's what's a psychological crisis and what's a spiritual crisis, right? Because it's only when you can kind of adequately separate or understand what you're dealing with that you can actually deal with the thing at, at hand. And and I think there's a, a lot of things where, um, you know, particularly because we are a fringe church and we get people with very unique uh, issues and challenges and spiritual wranglings and, and wrestlings that, that come to us, that kind of having, having a, you know, having a, a good point to kind of explore more for, for their own spirituality and also for the folks that they interact with, um, how to separate those out and kind of accompany people on their way to sorting their own stuff or untying their, their own knots as it were. So mm -hmm. I think that's really, really uh, very, very helpful. Um, and I mean, you know, as I've already seen you do in, uh, you know, in homilies before, um, you did it in a very nice, relaxed, easy to understand for somebody like me, right? Mm -hmm. Easy to understand, uh, you know, uh, uh, format. So I appreciate that uh, uh, greatly. That was a fantastic presentation. Thank you very kindly. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate having the opportunity to share it. Uh, it's amazing how many people don't know that spiritual direction exists. So we're still a, a well-kept secret. Uh, Sean, are you the only clergy in, in Calgary among this group that? Uh, uh, no, Angie. Angie, uh, Angie is my local beacon. Okay. Uh, green, you know, uh, uh, wet behind the ears, as it were. She was uh, <laughs> ordained last fall. Uh, in a park, wearing uh, you know, wearing rubber gloves and masks. <laughs> you go. I, I just asked that because if you or if you know anyone who might be interested in the training, uh, FCJ will be starting a new cycle of training in September, and we're already taking registrations. So we have three people registered so far. We're looking for fifteen to make it go. So uh, nice. uh, this would be the perfect time to contact FCJ and ask for registration information if you're interested or if you know yeah. someone in your church. I have, I have, uh, I was going to say, I have certainly uh, looked at it. Unfortunately, nothing, nothing kills the spiritual journey, like having to uh, do church men, you know, I, cause I've, I've looked at that. I've also looked, of course I work at, and uh, you know, and of course they have, uh, that's kind of one of the, the, center points or nexus points for clinical pastoral care 
um, in the in the province, I looked at that as well, and it's always like you, you know I have to be able to take time off to <laughs> from from both from both church and work to be able to to do it, and now I'm stuck pushing paper, um, you know. So, uh, but at the at the same time, right? I also uh, you know try to make sure that people have the freedom and the resources to do better, be better, and be smarter than me. So I try to encourage our our clergy to explore those resources where uh, you know some of the the business of running a church has kind of made those things more difficult eventually i'll take a sabbatical <laughs> and go whole hog and do them all in a row um, <laughs> but yeah i have i have uh, i have i have definitely uh, looked at it and i mean i've been to the fcj center uh you know uh, uh, a few times tours we did uh, the the christian contemplation christian meditation um stuff the john main uh work before uh and it was a very enjoyable experience when people there are wonderful so for the local folks on the ground whether here now in this talk or for folks listening later um i highly recommend popping your head in they're very they're, they're you know they're they're very uh very good people so. neat good good well thank you so much this has been a pleasure glad to connect with another part of the christian expression so. yeah you have dipped your toes in heresy for a brief for a brief <laughs> second hey our founder was burned at the stake for heresy so i guess i fit right in <laughs> well there you go i was gonna say we got to give you something to take back to your spiritual director so um, that's right you know <laughs> so uh thank you kindly and yeah you're i'll uh, send you a copy of the the uh talks from this morning and you're welcome to click in and listen along at uh, any point in the weekend. You've got a copy of the schedule, so I do. you know, yeah. feel free feel free to 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 come and go. Let us let us uh, you know let us uh, tempt you with uh, uh, the evils of Gnosticism. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kylan. Forbidden fruit. And uh, I will Take see care. everybody else in about ten minutes for the next session. Very good. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.